every time we do a parenting conference, we really focus on the heart of the child. Eric spoke this morning how um, I, I would say from the beginning, I have always said that I want to capture the hearts of our children for God so that they will follow Christ. And truly, that was my intent. Sometimes, if I looked back and I were being very honest with you, it would look like behavior modification because it does take behavior modification to make that happen. But there were times when I, I could tell you, we were focusing more on the behavior, less on the heart. Um, why did I want one of my children not to throw a wall-eyed fit at Kroger? Because I didn't want to be embarrassed, right? I, at that moment, I'm not really caring about his heart. We just need to get out to the car. <laughs> Everybody in a car seat so mom can collect here for a minute. Um, so, but I would say from the beginning, the heart is what I was capturing. I'll, really, I will be honest, and I used to tell my um, friends that when we were in Plano and their kids were starting school and we weren't going to be starting school and um, in the Plano system, and they'd say, why don't you do that? And I said, you know, okay, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm a lazy parent, and I have... I know where their heart is if I'm spending all day with them, and I can teach them while we're spending. And I said, maybe that's a lazy mom. I don't know. But I feel like I might check out by the time they get home from school and maybe not be able to capture their heart. So we homeschooled for a variety of reasons. But I would also say that allowed me to really see their heart through a bunch of issues during the day. Um, and I've learned as they've gotten older that I missed some of those moments like the time Bonnie evidently wanted to be caught doing something wrong. And um, she got the, she went to get a snack without asking, which was a rule, which I thought, hey, they did know the rules. And then she said she hid under the dining room table waiting to be caught. Well, I was busy schooling big brothers, and so evidently I never came. And um, she said she sat there and thought, I've got to get caught. I've got to get caught. I need to get caught. And um, eventually she got bored and left the dining room table, but left the Cheez-Its under the dining room table. And so later in the day when I found the Cheez-Its, I said, who was under the dining Who had Cheez-Its? Who was eating snacks without telling me? And I was like, I did. And she was corrected, but probably in a moment, because I probably was on my way to do something else at that at that moment. But um, Andrew and Caleb can tell you stories about hiding their Game Boys under their pillows and me walking in. They said, we swear we thought you had cameras in our room. <laughs> no. And I missed some nights that they were doing that. But um, they were both convinced I had eyes in the back of my head and cameras in their rooms. So, and that would only be of the Lord. Because many nights when I came in, I didn't know they were doing that. I was coming in to check on them or something. But it would be, they knew. And the Lord had placed that authority in my life over them as well. And again, gracious, gracious Lord. So, um but this training the heart thing, what is it? Our, our culture would define it differently than I'm going to define it. That, and my definition, I feel like, is really given to me from the Lord. And it's in his scriptures, and we're going to go through that. Um, I mean, what are some of the catchphrases you hear about the heart out there? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Anybody? The heart will lead the way. Um, the Lord will set your heart good. Trust your gut. That's another one that you hear a lot. Yeah, a lot, yes. 
listen to your heart, let your heart lead you. Um, yeah, my heart tells me this, my heart, you just hear that a lot. It's all self and we're talk a little bit about that too. A lot of it goes from the worship of our own hearts and what we want. Um, that is not how God views our heart. In fact, he tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Some of the verses say desperately sick. Um, I went back as I was preparing and read more of chapter 17 in Jeremiah. Um, if you go back to verse 5, thus says the Lord, Curse, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. And then blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. So not man, not ourselves, not other men, not man-made things, but the Lord. Um, He is like, I love these verses, and Psalm 1 has these verses as well. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So that tree planted by water, not tree that the seed happened to fall by the water, but a tree that is actually planted by water and seeking strength, wisdom um, from the Lord himself, from the source. So um, I just felt like that was important. And then in verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. And um, so that's how God feels about our hearts. And that's pretty plain. Um, The other thing that I believe in in Matthew, we read in um, chapter 12, Verse 35, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart is what's going to come out. Um, When you're parenting, what's in your heart comes out in an emotional moment. Um, As people, as children, what's in your heart is coming out. I appreciated that with correction with some of my children because I knew exactly where we needed to be and where we were or where we were and where we needed to go from there. And we remind each other of that a lot in our home. Bonnie and I, girl and girl, have had to remind each other of that um, during these last few years of having her at home, training her at home, um, that what we're saying is revealing a little piece of our heart right now. Let's stop here and talk about this. And um, so I, I just feel like that's kind of a thermometer of what's going on. Um, but then in Psalm 19:14, David says, Let the words of my mouth and the medita- meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Um, we're asking the Lord. That's the strength. He is the source of our strength. He is the source of wisdom. And um, he's gone before us. He is the one that created the whole rescue plan for us and for our children. And um, Psalm 119.11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, That's one way that we as parents 
are going to know his will for our children and for ourselves and know in that moment of correction or opportunity for correction um, what he sees in that moment what we need to speak what truth we need to speak if the truth is in us the truth is going to come out of us and um, we don't have to worry about being prepared or being righteous enough because we aren't. He is, and he can show us. Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How do we become pure in heart? It's by spending time in the Word, knowing him and knowing his Word. And then Proverbs 4.23, sorry, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Um, those are two verses. I would say Bonnie and I, this is getting ahead of the foundational years, but really going back to, um, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and then above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And we have just gone back to that over and over, talked about it when the kids were little and we were having our Bible time before school started or before breakfast. We talked about the words that we speak to each other in our home. Um, and what that tells, what we should be listening for, and what that can tell us and tell others as well. And then really, as I see it, actually Christ said it first, um, the first commandment is the greatest commandment according to Christ. In Matthew 22, he goes back and refers to it, but you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first and great commandment, or great first, the great and first commandment. And then he ties that to love your neighbor as yourself. So when you're looking at the mission of parenting, those are two, those should be the two <clears throat> biggest missions, is to train your child to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, with all of their mind, and with all of their strength. And then also to love others, to love their neighbor, their brother, their sister, um, their friends, those that they see on a daily basis, whether they know them or not, to love them, to reach out and love them. And that is the mission. And we can choose to take that as seriously as it's intended, or we can squander those years of training. And I would um, like to propose that we, we see a change in our churches and in our culture towards training our children um, to the heart of God. So that's one thing when er, this year, or last year, I guess, Eric and I were talking more about it. What is it that we see in the culture, but we're also seeing in the church? Why are kids falling away? Why are they not following their faith? And a lot of times we realized, and I'm going back to years and years ago, 40s, maybe four, the 50s, the 60s, um, even when we were growing up in the 70s and um, early 80s. You saw in the schools, out in the world, and in our churches, behavior was really the goal. You wanted good behavior in church. You wanted good behavior at school. And all of those are great things, but we were missing the mark of their heart. You can get great, obedient children, and if you miss the mark of their heart, they don't, they're not going to catch it. That's why they're falling away is because they never really had it. They knew how to behave. They knew how to act well, to please man. But they really didn't get why they were doing that, what was the intent of their heart. Their hearts were truly not captured. 
and um, and so I just want to draw more attention to that as the intent mm -hmm. um, there. Anything to add on that one? I mean, that's that really is a foundation that is kind of. I mean, I grew up just kind of in the culture. My parents had no religious, you know, preference or anything. So I just grew up, oh, everything's fine. It's not a big deal. But when I came into my 20s, I realized there was a big, like, difference in people that were, you know, like, genuinely good, even when nobody was looking to the person that would say the right thing at the right time. But there was a vast difference. I could pick up the difference in the two people. And then that's when, obviously, searching the scriptures and going through it, and it just became apparent that that's kind of the source. That's where it all begins. So. But I wish I would have known that as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes with our kids, it's easier to see where their heart is than other, well, sometimes it's a difference in children. We've talked about that the other night, too. Um, when Andrew came along, and he knows this, so I'm not sharing any secrets. He doesn't. We don't talk about, and we he does he knows that I'm sharing this, but he was pretty easy to discipline because it was all out there. You know, my sin is out there. In fact, I'm going to tell you about it, Mom. You know that thing you just told me not to do. I am doing it right now, Mom. <laughs> it's like, okay, here I come. <laughs> um, whereas I would say we had one particular. I mean, I've already told you, Bonnie was just hoping to get caught in something, and she did plenty of times, but. Evidently, she was feeling a little neglected, and the way you got attention that day, or most days, was your behavior. But um, Kayla was great at talking around something. You didn't even know that he was blatantly disobeying you right there in that moment till you got past the disciplining both, well, Andrew, usually. And I would be back in my room, and I'd think, wait a minute. Kayla was standing in the kitchen. I told him not to be in there after I mopped, talking to me, probably about the Lord, honestly. I would <laughs> So he he took a little bit more creativity to get to the point on that one. Um, but um, but we got there. It was just a little less it was not as easy to see um, what was going on there. But um, the Lord was good and gracious and usually revealed those things. And um, and if not then, we later learned it and had to go through it later in life. And so, um, so on the next page, on the second page, the foundational years, zero to five and six to 12, there's a difference in the training in those, those ages. It's, it's really great when you start out with the zero to five and then you can kind of move because that's going to be more about establishing black and white, the rules, there is right, there is wrong, and helping them to see their sin. Um, and then as you grow through that into 6 to 12, you're starting to work more and more on character issues, the fruits of the Spirit in their life. There's still discipline. There's, um, there are still, there's still a need to talk to them about their sin along the way. A lot of times, you're going to see the character issues as you're disciplining the actual disobedient behavior. Um, we, I think on the resource sheet, if it's on the back, I haven't looked, but I have suggested, or we have suggested small, small talks for big questions. That is like a children's catechism with stories that 
biblical and historical stories that go along with it. And I will tell you, I did not use those with our older three, but Luke and I have been using this. I just thought, okay, catechism, that's Catholic. That's not something we're going to do in our family because that's just rote memorization. We're not, we're not going to do that. But then uh, an older mother explained to me why they used it in their home. And I thought, okay, that makes so much more sense because it's the truth. It's doctrine. And if you're explaining it as you go, then it brings moments of conversation and learning all throughout the day. And so Luke and I, actually Luke is better at this than I am. He likes to be the I think it's the catch sizer where he asks me the questions and then says, oh, no, mom, not quite. <laughs> um, but we talk about it, too. You are right. This is why you're right to call me on that, that I didn't get the wording quite right, because there is a difference, isn't there, Luke, from what I said and what, what is said there in the, in the book, and we discuss it. But to go back, the curse of Adam and Eve, they were God created them holy and happy, right? And because of their sin, because they chose to disobey and to distrust what God had said to them, they became sinful and miserable. They lived in a state of sin and misery. And the curse beyond that is that we are, we are born with a sinful heart. That is our curse. Every, every person after Adam and Eve was born with a sinful heart. And we need to see that in our children. We need to not see them as a clean slate, but as a sinful being. Um, I've been saying it for years. They are great big sinners and little bitty bodies. And that requires a different correction along the way and including when they're infants and babies. But there are needs that need to be met as infants and babies that um, must not be seen as a, an obedience. They're too young to obey at that. But they can be trained. And it's training in gentleness. And let me just address that right now with the gentleness. The Lord, we talked about it this morning already, and with the mercy the Lord does not discipline us harshly. He doesn't. Jesus did not speak and teach with an angry voice, with um, judgment in his voice. When he was here on earth with his disciples, his followers, he discipled them. He discipled them through stories. He discipled them through a like it was the truth presented kindly. His voice didn't need to be raised unless he was speaking with a group. And I'm not even sure if he did, needed to speak loudly because I believe his voice was heard throughout the crowds. And um, that needs to happen in our homes no matter what. Did it always happen in our home? I will be the first to admit no, um, especially in the early years I raised my voice. But our kids need to see our homes as a safe home, a safe place, a safe place to make mistakes, a safe place to learn from our mistakes, a safe place to confess, repent, and be forgiven. And that needs to be modeled between mom and dad. That needs to be modeled between us and our children and our children with each other. It just, I can't emphasize that enough. If your home is not a safe place to confess, a little sin, it's not going to be safe enough later on to confess a major sin. And um, it's 
it's really saved relationships. I can tell you as talking about these early years, I can tell you as in the later years of parenting, it has saved relationships. And that communication that is established at a young age becomes a safe place when they're older, when they're teenagers um, and young adults. They can come back and say, hey, I've really messed up. What can we do? Can I, I'm really sorry. I've really messed up and I don't know how to fix this. Can it be fixed? And a lot of times it can't be fixed, but can we start where we are and can we move in forgiveness from here and make better choices and see where our, our, we have failed because we've worshiped our own heart, allowed our desires to overcome? Um, that's what we know mm-hmm. Our kids are three and five mm-hmm. and, um, you know, when I see like disobedience and lies and doing things so they have an unfair advantage, perhaps, mm-hmm. what are some other things that you might see as sin in the lives of a three and five year old that you might not be picking up on? Or, or you know, what are, I don't know if I'm seeing it all. You know, we have a lot of uh, talks about fairness and justice and I don't know if um, if it's necessarily a conversation that's focused around sin so maybe you can help me understand what that looks like or what might be some of those teachable moments that I might not be picking up on that's a good question so um, he's asking if I understand this right looking for beyond the blatant disobedience we're looking for sin or character issues, maybe, and actions and behavior? Is that what you're, like, well, how that's to... That's what I see. It all happens mm-hmm. in the moment. Right, you know, it's right. Of... It's a blur, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I, I would suggest that you pray for wisdom to see what's going on in your home and see what kind of character issues are developing that you don't realize are developing. That is huge. Uh, go uh, ahead. You go ahead. Um I would say that if you know fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the opposite of those things. When you see anything that is the opposite of those things, those are the things that need to be trained. Uh, and we can we have those fruits where we can explain to them the other side of that. Like, you're not showing patience right now. You know, like that. that's a fruit that we show. And I, you know what I mean? So those, to me, those are the things that when I see those things in my childhood, you do have to look past like, oh, you just threw a car at your brother's head. You know, you got angry really quickly. You were quick to anger. You weren't slow in your anger. Or, you know, why did you get angry? Like what is beneath the anger? You know? I have a question because I have a 20, 20 month old who has anger. Well, we say he has anger issues. Because he gets so upset if he doesn't get his way. And then he he has aggression. So when you were saying that, how do we talk to him? Because, I mean, I know he understands some things, but, you know, he's still... So how would we... Like a timeout when he does... Every time is like, that's not the behavior you want. Or, and then put him on a timeout and just... One thing that when we were talking and sharing the other night, we, I, I would say from talking to you and being in your home, you talk about big concepts in their vocabulary along the way so that it's familiar vocab. I mean, it's going to become 
oh, I think mom's been talking to me about this for years now. And you know, <laughs> I'm going to get it one day. <laughs> but because um, I had friends that would say, man, you talk about that with your boys? Aren't they too little to talk about that? And did I expect them to fully obey or fully get that? No. But we did talk about it as we corrected. Um, at that age, it was simply, they did need to be taken out of the situation at that moment to help them calm down. Um, but I would talk to them on our way to the timeout. And at 20 months, it depends on the child. Like, timeout, they probably don't sit by oh, themselves. Right. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but usually we're like, are you done crying? Are you done throwing your fit? Yeah. Go in there like two well, later, with, and then he'll start yelling again. Well, and then he's not, but I would right. talk, that's what, like with one of our children, we would need to remove them from the situation because they were either hurting someone or they were wreaking havoc for the whole family. And so we would remove that child into the bed because not that I like that being the place because that's that. But it for, had four walls. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's going to contain the situation. <laughs> It did not, yeah, you could do a playpen. That did not keep him from thinking that was a safe zone at nap time and bedtime. So we were okay with that. But, and on the way, you know, you, you are too, you are being too angry and you're not listening or we do not, simply, we do not yell in our home. In a very gentle voice. And in a gentle voice. As they're screaming at you. Yeah. That's hard. When they're screaming at you, you have to remember that you're the adult and that you know how to practice the fruits of the spirit. You know whether or not you do it. You know, and you can rationalize that. And so calmly. Because usually that's that's what we'll do, you know, and we usually do do it calmly, but I was like, is that the correct way to do it? He's going to also, he's going to continue the behavior until he knows that you know. I've noticed that with my two-year-old. When she knows that I know what she needs, if I just kind of, like, you're going to time out. I can tell her, I know that you're angry. Are you angry? And I have to sympathize with her and get on her level. And I have to say, you're angry, aren't you? Almost mimicking her anger and say, I know you are so angry, huh? Yes, I am angry. I'm very mad. Or, okay, are you mad? What What are you mad about? You know, and then she'll tell me, oh, Luke. It's just one word, Luke. <laughs> you know, and so when she gets that, like, that I get it, then she can stop. Yeah, she doesn't have to keep going. Yeah, she can like, stop at that point. We've tried teaching him sign language for certain things. And ours, she's a late talker. And so she's just over two and a half. And she's, she's not quite two and a half yet. But So I understand that. Um, but that was something that I learned, like, that they, they can, without speaking to you, without being verbal, they can know that you know what they mean. Even if it's just a head nod of yes, you know, like you can, you normally probably know why he's angry too. You can say, oh, you're angry because you wanted the goldfish in the purple cup instead of the green cup. (laughs) (laughs) And if they say yes, you can say, okay, well, how about next snack time we put the goldfish in the green cup? And normally they're just like, oh, all right, like that sounds great. (laughs) You can, you can really guide things and allow them to have a voice in it instead of shutting them down, you know, like, and you can still get your, you know, your point across and by them knowing what, that you know. 
That's yeah. normally where it all streams. I did from. learn that because most of the time when the kids are sad, I know they're sad because they're screaming at the top of their lungs and tears. And I'm like, are you sad? And they'll be like, yes. Right. You're like, well, clearly. So then there's like a moment of, yeah. okay, oh, like, oh, we're together on yeah, this. Let's did. see if we can figure this out so for I them. I communicated that just... I'm sad successfully. Now we can. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get trying. Which that I is picked a... up from her because I was like, I don't know, man. Why are you crying? That is a big deal. Like, they're sad. Are you sad? Yes, I'm sad. Okay, well, you know, why are you sad? Then they will, they will little by little communicate. And you just keep practicing that, and they'll know that that is a safe communication. They can come to you, and then they'll they'll see that you've modeled communication instead of screaming at each other, you know, or like I scream, you ignore me until I stop screaming, which I'm not going to say, obviously, that we don't go take them to the bed and say, when you're done screaming, then we'll talk about it. It gets beyond that. You know? Yeah, we we did do the removing, like, no, something's causing them to stumble we just normally just remove them like something so tempting that they cannot stop touching it we'll just pick it up and put it somewhere really high and then that'll settle that but that's like obviously at a really a younger age when there where there isn't that avenue to go ahead and train and talk through and you know that where you can actually build on that so sometimes yeah we just have to remove them real quick thomas one of the things i was going to say on your question is i think we as parents just have to be uber proactive. And I think we, we just need to be watching how our kid is interacting with the other kid. And sometimes it looks like they're playing nice, but really what they're doing is they're manipulating to get something they want. And you can tell, you know what? It looks like he's really being quiet, but he's, he, he realizes if I play quiet, I get to play the video game longer than the other person. And so... I'm going to kind of make him, let him act out, and he's going to be pushed away. Then I'm going to get his game and my game, and now I'm going to be able to play. And I think some of it is just stepping back and watching and just kind of going, this, every time he does this, that's why he's doing that. And then you pull him aside and you say, you know what? You really enjoy getting to play the game longer than anybody else, don't you? Yeah. Well, maybe. I kind of do. And you realize whenever they get in trouble first, you get to play with that. You know, so do you kind of like it when they get in trouble? Do you, you know, I saw this. Did you kind of allow them to get in trouble? Well, is that looking out for your brother? You need to be able to look out for them. So I think sometimes it's that it's the subtle stuff that you've got to kind of just sit back and watch their habits. Because I think one of the biggest things we got to do is help them break habits. They're going to make them a bad spouse. They're going to make them a not great employee or not make them a follower of Christ. But it's going to let them skate for the next six months and they're not going to get spanked for it. So in a way, it's easy on us. So I think that's one of the things I've tried to get better at with Luke. Because Luke gets away with a lot of stuff because he hangs out with all these teenagers and 20-year-olds. And he's learned... If I don't do that, I don't get in trouble. Ooh, if I don't do that, I don't get in trouble. Honestly, I have a little bit of a fear. He's going to figure out how to manipulate me. So when he's 17, he's, he could write a book on me and just go, you know what? If I do this and this and this, dad's not going to care. That's not going to care. I got an easy street. I'm, honestly, that's what keeps me up at night. I'm starting to kind of pray about it going, okay, could he be the one, you know, that, that just goes crazy because he's, he's, he, 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 he's, he, he could learn to manipulate all of us because wow. he's such an easy kid. Now, Stephanie goes, 
Don't worry. No, no. With that in mind, he's nine, so this is older than yours. And I'll go back to the younger ones, too, because there are a couple of ideas. But since you're talking about Luke, we'll just pick on him for a minute. But um, we are at that nine-year-old boy age, and I don't let boys go to the bathroom. I, Bonnie always comes with me. I don't let boys go to the bathroom by themselves. They have to go with big brother or each other. Or I had a great friend that had twin boys where when they got to that age, she was like, I, I can't make them go to the women's bathroom all the time. I just can't do this. So she taught me a trick of like at the zoo, I'll never forget Fort Worth Zoo. I'm watching my friend stand, <coughs> tiny little thing, standing with the door, her foot in the door, talking to her boys the entire time they were in the bathroom about Hey, you guys okay? You doing okay? Do you need anything, Jonathan? What's your brother Jordan doing? You know, she didn't hear one of them answering. And so she was constantly, I mean, that was their safety in the bathroom. And sometimes I choose to let that happen, but Luke's by himself when it's just he and I. And so a lot of times he comes with me, but I've, we've been trying to train him to being his own man too. And so this kind of goes back, this does go back to the safety issue that Margaret was talking about. Um, most of the time he's in with me and we just say, look down, look away. Um, but if he knows now he can look, if it's a single bathroom, I will let him have the freedom to go into a bathroom where he can go in and lock the door and it's just one bathroom. Um, yesterday, this just happened yesterday. This was not blatant disobedience because I did not say specifically, you may not close the store, but we were at a place where there was a single bathroom we had, I checked it, it was clear, and he wanted to go to the bathroom while I was in line. And I was right there, like we're talking five feet away. And it was a little tiny shop over in Fort Worth and it has a hallway door that happened to stay open. And so that door was open. And the reason I had this door open was because it was a hallway with two doors off of it and I didn't know who was behind those two doors. And so I had that door open and that door shut and I thought, my alarms are going off, but I checked, there was nobody there. And then when it pushed again, I was pretty sure that was Luke's push to shut it. And so I decided I was giving him like two minutes to get in and out of that bathroom and wash his hands. And um, he came out and he walked right up to me, has his hands in his pocket like a little man and said, hey Luke, did you shut the door in the hallway? Why'd you do that? Well, I just, I thought, I said, Luke, I opened that. I kept that open on purpose for your safety to make sure that nobody else came in that hall. I've, I've told you those other two doors, we don't know who's behind those doors. And he said, said, did you do that because you wanted a little bit more privacy and to be your own man? He goes, yeah, I did. I said, that was wrong. Because we've talked about safety in public places. And I said, I was setting you up for a safe, as safe as I could make it at that moment and give you a little freedom a little independence, and you broke that trust right there. I'm so sorry, Mama, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I said, no, 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 I said, you're forgiven, but next time we're gonna have to leave the line, I'm gonna go back there and either stand right at the door or go in with you, because obviously you're not old enough for that freedom that I gave you. And he was pretty repentant, most likely at first, because I stopped him in his tracks and caught him, but, um, those are things like I could have missed that. I could have missed that the <clears throat> door shut and it might've been him. I might've been more worried about the actual safety in the moment, but I was pretty sure it was him. And um, 
Okay. And then also, like, at that age, little ages of training, moments of training that don't even have to be an emotional time, that you just see patterns. You know the kids when you go into the donut shop and they put their fingers all over the glass? That's a moment of opportunity to train your child. Are they doing anything wrong? Are they doing anything that causes someone to think, oh, what an awful kid, or that child is not obeying their parent? No, but it is a time that you could train. You know, when you put your fingers on that, I wonder, do you see the fingerprints? I wonder who cleans that later. Oh, and but it's a moment. Now they know, they didn't know before, but now we can talk about it. I bet someone that works here has to come and clean that every day. It would be really nice if we weren't the ones to cause more work for them at the end of the day. So it would be better if we don't put our fingerprints all over. Just things like that, where you're seeing a moment of opportunity to train for a better character later when it comes into play when you're talking about the fruits of the spirit you can go back to that moment does that make sense i would be when eric was talking about proactive i would look for those opportunities and when we talk about these questions i'm going to come to in a minute about that you can ask your child in the moment of correction you're going to see character issues if you're taking your time and it's calm it's a calm time you're going to see those character issues because they're going to answer the questions like why did that make you sad well that made me sad because i wanted to choose the cup today, okay, that's a hard issue. That's I want my way. Kind of, does that make sense? And so that's there. Um, okay. What was your question? Well, I didn't have a question. I just had um, something for you. And it might be easier because you have an older girl and a boy. I have two boys. And so for me, exactly what he just said are the things that sometimes I miss. And it took us a while to catch it because. And, and to your point, sometimes I think we think that they're children and they don't know or they don't understand. So we kind of just let things go. My, he's almost five, five-year-old really manipulates my two-year-old and we didn't catch it for a long time. But he will do things intentionally to get him in trouble so that he has to go to bed early so that the five-year-old gets to stay up and play with the toys longer. Mm-hmm. And we weren't catching it because he would kind of whisper things in his ear. And Jacob might be in his little high chair on the floor watching TV, and he would say, get out, Jacob, get out, Jacob. Look, the playroom door is open, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Get out, Jacob. <laughs> and Jacob would tip over his chair so he could get out, spilling all his food and run in there, even though we said, okay, we're gonna stay right here so mommy can make dinner. Because I make them dinner and then I make my dinner. And I kept catching Jacob, knocking over his food and playing, you know, and and destroying things. But it was because the other one was telling him to do it, just because he knew that meant that he was gonna get to play longer in the playroom. And it was those little things that I think we just missed because we just think they're being kids and they're just doing whatever they want to do. It's back to great big centers and little bitty bodies. Right. And, you know, it took us a long time to get it. That's what they were doing. And even when she says self-control, my little one has got a huge appetite for a two-year-old. Huge appetite. But sometimes I think it's more of he's just trying to as much as he can so that the other one can't have a banana. So he'll just shove it all in his mouth 
so the other one can't have a banana. Mm-hmm. And I think those are little things that we just miss. We really don't think of those things because we're thinking they're too small to sit down and talk to. But even though they might not be communicate, they understand pretty much everything we're saying. We just don't say it. So, and I talk to my spouse a lot. And one day, I think it was about three, he says, you sound like you're frustrated, bro. I had no idea he could say frustrated. <laughs> I knew what the word meant. Yeah. But I'm talking to my husband about work, and he's like, sounds like you're frustrated. And that's when it really hit me. They understand, yeah. and they're listening. And if, if I was just talking to him about more of, you know, sin and how to ask for repentance, then maybe our conversations would be a little bit deeper and he would already, you know, be asking for repentance because I I, I really hadn't realized that I could be getting him to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk saying, about it. Um, I know the Ololdis do. They talk about the sin and the moment and what's going on and why someone's acting out. Well, what's really going on in the heart? This is what's going on, and this is why it's a big issue to take care of it now. Um, and they go well into the future. Alex, when you were talking about that the other night, I liked that. Um, that you're showing them the big picture as you're going. One thing, I, I'd like Alex to give an example of their moments of correction. But um, when Andrew and Caleb were about five and three, probably, they were arguing and um, fussing and fussing. And it's just one of those things that you kind of, it becomes white noise. Does that make sense? And Caleb said, mommy, mommy, I want to invite so-and-so to come over to the house. Please, please, please. You said we could do it. We, and he's just asking. And I said, trying to eat or something. We're doing something at the table. And I just looked at him. I said, wait a minute, just stop everything. I said, did you hear the way you were just talking to Andrew? And Andrew, you're fussing at Caleb. I said, here's the deal. We are a family and you two are brothers and you are going to be best friends. I was thinking in my head, so help me God, they're going to be best friends. (laughs) I said, you are going to be best friends for the rest of your life. Other people will come and go. We might move but you are going to be friends for the rest of your life and you have got to learn to love each other. You've got to learn to play with each other well. You have to learn to share. You have to learn to love, love, love each other and treat each other with kindness. And until that happens, buddy, we're not inviting Joe over here. You have to learn that this is a good place and you're having fun with your brother or we're not inviting anybody else to the party. And those were my exact words. We're not inviting anyone else to the party. And Caleb just looked at me like, I think she means business. Um, Because he he did know that I meant business. But anyway, it was in that moment, you could tell, it wasn't just a, how can I manipulate? It was like, she's the boss. She's the authority over me. And I know that. And she's obviously looking at me with those eyes. And um, I need to do something about this. When we brought home Bonnie, Andrew was two and a half. He looked much younger because that was just a developmental thing we were going through. And But from the get-go, we talked about how Bonnie was the princess and they were the knights. I was the queen. He was king. Um, but their job from the beginning, from the infant stage of Bonnie, was to guard and protect her and to care for her like a knight would. 
And um, you know, as they got older, we talked about how Christ loved the church. And just that was their job with her. So it was like never too young to be addressing character issues and heart-to-heart relationship issues with them. And in those relationships, there's, there's so much of an opportunity to really bring out the fruits of the Spirit, to train the heart. Because isn't that where we fail, is in relationships, in life, is how we treat others almost always is going to be the worship of our own heart. Always. Um, and that is what's going to lead. Hey, Alex, you want to talk through? Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, disobedience is pretty much every day in our household. So <laughs> there's no lack of parenting practice because it is a practice. There is a, you know, when you first start, it's really, you know, rough, unrefined, just kind of, ooh, I forgot that, or... You know, I really didn't make sure I gave him a hug and a kiss. But I could say that as you practice, especially the discipline is what I'm specifically referring to. As you practice it, you will get better. They receive it better. And the impact that it makes is deeper and longer lasting. Like Luke has, Luke is probably our most, you know, blatantly disobedient. And so I probably have the most examples. So I apologize if I represent him in a bad light. But You'll tell them, do not, do not ride your bike past that mailbox, that one crazy mailbox over there. Don't ride it. So he'll be like, okay, he'll go in circles and circles, and then he'll finally go out and just pass it. And he knows that I was watching him, and he gets, like, I have to address the disobedience. So when I bring him in, you know, I tell him, hey, put your bike up. No, you can't ride your bike anymore. Come here, we got to talk. So I just, as I'm teaching them about, you know, you know I told you not to ride that because the car can come over there and not see you because of those bushes. And. So I explained the safety of why I told him not to. And then also, like when she was saying about the bigger picture, I'm like, you know, when you grow up and the cops say, you know, the law says do not do this, like you will get disciplined just like I'm disciplined here. But here it's just a small little spanking. And guess what? You get to hug. We get to hug and, you know, forgive each other. I, you, I forgive you. You repent. And, you know, we get to pray about it. So here it's good and it's safe. But when you grow up and you don't show up to work on time, you know, you're going to get fired if you you know, cross that line, the cops are going to have to put you under control. You know, they're going to do a bunch of things, but I try to, as they're getting older, I try to expand, like, what you're doing here matters. This is a training ground for the big, like, you know, and then I told them, obviously, kids hate authority. I hate authority. You know, we all hate authority as a natural sinful response, but I have to tell them that the authority is good. Like, God has given, I don't know how many times we have told our kids, like, God has appointed your mom and dad to be your safeguard and your authority even though we're not perfect and you probably see us mess up a lot but we are that safety net in your childhood and they may or may not get it but i think every time i talk through that they get it a little bit better and they they kind of understand and it becomes more natural obedience becomes more natural obedience becomes more like oh i see i'll get my hand chopped off if i stick my hand in there you know that's why dad told me stay away from that you know whatever that tool was so um, and I might be exaggerating when I say get your hands chopped off, but I do try to, I do exaggerate sometimes to get my point across because otherwise they're like, oh, that really won't happen. Let me see what really happens if I do this. But so I might have to ante up the stakes a bit sometimes, but <clears throat> yeah, discipline is, is really, really important. The more and more you practice it, the more and more you go through it. And discipline is really, it takes a lot of time. To discipline one act of disobedience might take five, ten minutes, but the 
impact that it has as far as the peace in your household, the restoration of the relationship, the training. And obviously when they become teenagers, I don't want to be spanking a teenager. I don't want to have to be, you know, going through the same things we did when he was a three-year-old. So it's, it's pretty important. It's, it's so important that you really can't afford to not do it. And we, we didn't really start, I would say, until last, actually when we took the Gentry's class, that's when we really started implementing training and discipline and it was a great age of opportunity though <laughs> so. conversation yeah like we had messed up a ton we were just kind of winging it we were just oh yeah we'll figure it out kind of like eric talked this morning you know like the camping trip or the hiking trip but yeah so i know these notes we're probably running out of time but if you have any questions on the notes that we're probably not going to get to go through okay. um, i strongly recommend that you ask them now like kind of like um, we've done so far did we go over spanking more? No, I wanted to make sure that we did that because in a moment of correction, in my um, spankings in the early days happen more often, obviously, because you're training. Are we saying the three to five age? Mm -hmm, three to five, not zero to two. Um, more three to five. Um, that should be something that is an expected outcome of a behavior, not a shocking a shock. That is not what a spanking is intended for. It is meant for correction. And so, but I want to go back a little bit. I'm getting ahead. Never, ever, ever, ever do it out of anger. If you think you are the least bit emotional, emotionally charged and a spanking needs to happen, mom or dad needs a timeout first. And so, and that's okay. It's okay to tell the child to go in their room and wait for you that we need to discuss this and I'll be right there because you're praying that the Lord is going to speak into their hearts. Hope, you know, hopefully that's, that's something that you're praying for your children. Pray in that moment that he speaks to both of your hearts, because that's a moment that the Holy Spirit can be working in their heart while they're waiting for mom to come in, um, or dad to come in. And, um, and get your act together. I mean, I will say that in some of those early years, if I, if I felt like, okay, this was a big offense and I'm pretty upset about the fact that it happened, I would actually practice it on me. Like if I felt like this is how hard I feel like it needs to be, I practice it on my leg, like an exposed leg, not with jeans on. And if it hurt, and cause we use a little strip it's, it's all, it was consistent. It was the same thing. And it was a little rod of discipline. It was a little strip of leather that it wasn't going to cause any harm. Well, it could, but, um, it was not intended to cause harm. It was, um, something that we had purchased and, um, I would smack my leg. In fact, usually I would smack it as hard as I thought I wanted to smack, like as angry as I thought I might be getting. And, Usually it didn't hurt, which so the boys were right. Mom, you can't spank hard. But um, but I would do that. But if I felt, after I did that, oh, honestly, that kind of took some of the anger out. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> but, um, I, and I would pray about it. I would usually try it one more time just to make sure that, you know, this was not going to be too hard on a small bottom. And then I would go in and but we wouldn't start with the spanking. We would never start with the spanking. I would go in and we'd start the correction and um, on the sheet, the questions that um, and Paul David Tripp gave us 
these are if you go through his parenting conference on DVD, which I would recommend. He gives these questions to you and explains it in more detail. But he talks to the child, and this is alone with the child. Sometimes you might need two children if it's an altercation between two children. But a lot of times I would even split that up into two different conversations. But hey, what was going on there? Could you tell me like what happened? Um, sometimes it's them coming to you to tattle. Hey, what happened? Could you tell me what happened? I wasn't in there, or I'd like to know what you think happened. Um, what were you thinking and feeling when that happened? So get that out there. They're revealing their heart at that moment. If you're doing it well, and this is a safe zone that we were talking about earlier, they're going to reveal some of their heart. Whether they mean to or not, it's going to come out because it's a safe place to come out. And then, um, so what did you do in response? For the little ones, you're not going to say response. They don't get that word yet. But hey, so what did you do? What happened? You know, what happened? And then what did you do? Then you're going to start picking up on some things here. And why? Why did you do that? Because Billy had my truck and it was mine and I had it first. You know, that's, those little things are going to come out and you can address issues as you go. And then what was the result? So you did that because you were angry about this. How did that go for you, buddy? I mean, you know, that's not in those words, not in that tone, but that's kind of what you're trying to like get them to think through and kind of have an aha moment of their own of, oh, my attitude really did stink right at that moment. And that didn't go well. You know, we always tease with that phrase, and how'd that go for you? I mean, get them to that point where they're like, that doesn't go well every time I do that. You know, why why do I do that and talk about it? Um, as far as the spanking, I really believe that it should be, like, adorepost.com has some posters that you can buy. They're laminated, and it's basically, if this happens... And then there's usually a Bible verse paired with it as well. And then there's a blank place where you can fill it in. So whatever's appropriate for your child at that age or whatever you and your husband deem is the right thing to choose for that offense. Does that make sense? And so there's, um, you know, if there's a lot, and this can be on your refrigerator, talk about on the doorpost of your home, you know, so you lied. Let's go over to our chart. So it's something that they expect every time. Does that make sense? So this is a consistency issue for them. You don't have to use that chart, but it's a th you can make up your own so that you know what you want, what your goals are, and if something happens in the home, this is how we're going to deal with it together. Um, the other thing that Doorpost has is a if-then blessing chart, just so you know, and they have a a book that you can go through with training your children. I think an if-then blessing chart would have been a great thing for us to employ when we were young because you need to find yeah. times to encourage your child to right behavior, not just pointing out yeah, everything that's wrong. That. And so... Um, well, and using the scripture to... Uh, not just to say, like, well, this is what you did against scripture. <laughs> this what? is what you did that was ungodly. Like, wow, that was yeah. <laughs> but using the scripture, like we have, you know, obviously our boys have their favorite Bible people or their, you know, and so we'll use kind of those, like say Luke's favorite Bible uh, hero or whatever is, is David. So we'll say, you know, do you think that David would have done that to his brother, you know, or do you think that David would have acted loving towards his brother, you know, or did, you know, did David harm people or did David protect people? You know, and so we kind of 
can help him walk through that because, uh, and then also when we'll, when we see some, a good behavior, we'll say, you know, wow, like that's, you know, you honored God in this way. And we are always sure to, well, not always, which are, which are best to point out the behaviors that have honored God, that have honored your mom and dad, that have honored your brothers and sisters, that you're, you will tell them your crown is growing, you know, like your, your crown is getting bigger and more, you know, so we just try to, to bring glory to God through their good behaviors too. I was looking up, I was thinking about David, actually. King David was a man after God's own heart, right? And, um, and you can look at all the things that David did, good and bad. And so when David, David sinned with Bathsheba, I was thinking about that and I thought, how did the Lord handle that? How did God discipline that? And you can find so much of what we're talking about in that moment of discipline, including the generational sin, but um, because his sin had consequences for future generations in his family. But you see that Nathan goes to David and addresses the sin and Nathan was sent by the Lord to do that. And he doesn't come in saying, Oh, King David, you are a sinful man and you have done that, you know, and just, or berate them. God didn't strike him with lightning, but he did address it in kindness. And that was one thing that Alex was talking about the other night. Out of love for our children, we are going to correct them and we are going to spur them towards the fruits of the spirit that should be showing in their life more and more each year. Um, cause Nathan came in and said he had, he had David call himself out mm-hmm. with a pair. He gave him a parable. And what do you think should happen? King David and King David said, well, he should, you know, lose his life. And that was wrong. He shouldn't have done that. Well, that was you. It was me. And then, um, he repents and he is forgiven and he's still a man after God's own heart. And yet he had to be disciplined because of that sin. And it was a, a discipline that the consequences hurt so many. His sin consequences hurt so many. And um, I think that's key. We just need to remember that in correction is that we need to love our children. Correction is loving our children. They need yeah, to I, did, I do try to associate like, you know, like this spanking is not like, I'm not angry at you. Obviously I'm talking to you. I am, you know, I'm, I'm helping you to learn from this mistake. So am I angry at you? And a lot of time they'll know if I'm angry. And obviously I did take the time out and, you know, collect myself and, you know, talk with Lauren and say, well, how should we handle this? Okay, that's how I'm going to go about it. So I'll go in there, I'll talk to them. I'll try to associate discipline as love. You know, like I love you too much to let you do that to yourself. Like I, I don't want to see this pattern develop so much to when you've grown up, this is what's going on. Like I just love you too much. Like I was like, you know, God disciplines me all the time, you know, and, you know, I'd love to tell you more about that, you know, not right now while I'm disciplining you, but, you know, God disciplines me, why? Because he loves me, you know, and he, he's protecting me. Guess what? I'm still alive. I have gone through some hard things, but, and, you know, painful stuff, but I'm still alive, and I love God even more for that, so I, I do try to reinforce that connection with discipline is love, and I don't think that our kids ever, yes, they're sad that they're having yeah they'd much rather be jumping on trampoline in their bedroom having to talk but but they don't ever question our love for yeah them they at do that point. they do receive it well and then once we you know, once we pray together and i hug them and i kiss them I always try to make sure that i make a connection and say like this is done like there's no more hard feelings there's no more 
you know, I'm not going to hold this against you. I won't bring this up again. We've handled it, and I love you, and I hope to never spank you again. I tell them that all the time, even though it's chance. Sorry, I'm going to spank them again. <laughs> but I do tell them that. I was like, guess what? If you were, you know, and I told them, I know you're not perfect, but guess what? If you don't do that one action again, we won't have this conversation again. How awesome would that be, you know? And then, um, you know, I give them a hug and a kiss and, you know, send them on their way, and they're, you know, and then there's another one. And you have five kids. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of, you know, repetition. But One thing at this early age, and I will tell you that we do um, the pre-training and role play, I do with teenagers as well. Hey, you're going into this situation. If such and such happens, how should we handle this? How would you like to handle it? But in those early years, hey, we're going to Chili's after church. Let's talk about what this is going to look like, guys. You know, they're in their car seats. They listen in their car seats. I don't know about... And he, we have one that as soon as I could get him in his car seat and he would calm down, he was in a listening mood. He just needed, they, they want boundaries. We want the Lord to be sovereign, right? They really do want boundaries. They don't know it always. But we would talk about, hey, we're getting ready to go out to eat with our friends. There are going to be lots of people there. What do you think that's going to look like? Get them involved in the conversation. And then, okay, so how should we act at the restaurant? And we would go through this Sunday after Sunday, or whatever the event was. This, how are we going to handle this? You know, we're going to the tennis courts. Where can you go? Where can you not go? Where, you know, we would have these conversations all the time. And um, sometimes people lost some of their privileges at these places because of a behavior, and we would talk about that. So we're not going to be able to go ev- into the game room today, even to pretend, because that's pretty much all ours got to do. <laughs> and, and because what happened last time? Oh, yeah. And then we talk about that. And why was that about, you know, what was wrong in that moment? I don't accept the, um, I was bad or I did wrong. That I don't expect, those are not accepted answers in the sense of, obviously, they don't know why they, I mean, that's not acceptable in my mind because they don't know what they did wrong or they'd be saying, ah, I got really angry at Caleb last week, so you I know what Luke smacked tells him us, poor Luke. He tells I'm an imperfect sinner. <laughs> it's been caught. Yeah. <laughs> Your words come back to you. Yeah. It's nice when they're great. Like you're like, okay, they're getting something. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm like, you did it three times though. So um, did you yeah. have No, no, I was gonna say timing wise, I, I I since we I we didn't talk as long, I was gonna let it stretch. So I wasn't gonna yeah, I, I was okay with this going a little late. But we've gotten ten minutes late. And so, the next uh, is, is there any minutes. magic nuggets any of y'all want to say? Lauren real fast? has one Lauren, question. Please. I do have just one, one bit of scripture that gets me through day by day with little ones. Um, it's Isaiah 40, verse 11. It's probably my favorite verse that there is. But uh, He says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. So, that, that, that last part always gets me that he's going to gently lead me. He knows where I am. He knows that I'm going to stumble and that I'm going to be making mistakes daily, but he's going to be gently leading me. Amen. And so that, that always gets me through when I, when I stop and reflect on that. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And uh, go learn more information at your next uh, next breakout. Yeah, if you guys want to talk afterwards, yeah. I don't really have that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>